All right, today we're going to be continuing on in our series uh, entitled Draw Near, uh, where we're looking at the book of Hebrews. And so last week we started into uh, chapter 3. We're going to kind of continue through that a little bit today. Uh, but a lot of that focus last week was on Jesus being greater than Moses uh, and kind of taking a look at how the nation of Israel uh, relied so much upon Moses and the traditions uh, of Moses and then the law. Uh, and then Jesus coming, and they still look back to that and the tradition, miss the uh, understanding of the visitation and what the Messiah actually was going to be doing. Uh, and then the book of Hebrews kind of writing this as a challenge. And then for us to, to not dwell so much uh, on former things, not to dwell and trust in tradition, uh, but rather trusting in what God is working and leading us uh, as we go. Now this morning, kind of continuing on from that concept, there's, there's a number of different things that cause us uh, or prevent us uh, from doing the things that God's necessarily calling us to step out in faith uh, or challenging us to be able to do. Uh, some of that has to do with fear, uh, some of it has to do with comfort, uh, and other has to do with procrastination. And so we're going to be looking at those different aspects uh, when it comes to God's leading in our life and our fear, our comfort, and our procrastination uh, as we go into verses 7 through 12. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you want to get those ready. Those verses will also be up on the screens. Uh, but let's pray before we get into that. Lord, we come before you uh, as we come into your holy word. We thank you that it is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, that it will guide us and lead us, that it's beneficial for all things, for teaching, for reproving, for correcting, for setting things straight, uh, that we may be fully equipped as men and women, as your sons and daughters uh, in this life, and it prepares us for the life to come. Uh, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that it would speak through me, uh, and that you would do the work within us that we trust you to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in verse 7, it uh, picks up here saying, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked to anger with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, They will not enter my rest. So watch out, brothers and sisters, that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Uh, and so here we have one of these aspects in Hebrews. There's a number of strong warnings that happen within the book of Hebrews, as well as uh, what our series is, is drawn on, that aspect of drawing near to God. Uh, and so the strong warning all has to do about that kind of drifting away and trusting in ourselves, trusting in our wisdom, trusting in, in our own strength, and, and responding out of those versus needing to draw near, needing to press in uh, and follow God more. And so the author here in Hebrews is uh, calling us to examine our hearts and uses a chapter in the history of Israel uh, as an example for us. And that's where they're called to come out of Israel, or rather Egypt. They've been in Egypt for 400 years uh, as slaves. God does a number of different amazing miracles in order to bring them out. We've got the, the ten plagues that are kind of happening. Uh, Moses is going to Pharaoh and say, let, you know, let the people go. No, I'm not going to. Okay, the Nile turns to blood. Okay, they can, they can go. All right, I changed my mind. They can't go. Okay, now there's a bunch of frogs and gnats and locusts and animals dying and a number of different things happening till finally Pharaoh's like, you can go. 
And so they then march out of Egypt. And as they do that, there's even this miracle that takes place that as they're walking out, the Egyptians that are, that are staying there are like, well, you're slaves and you're leaving. Uh, take our gold. Like it's just this really weird thing that takes place. Like they're actually giving them like some treasure as they're heading out. Uh, and they're kind of saying, well, kind of good riddance in that. But they're, they're being blessed as they go. And then they, as they head out of Egypt, um, they look to their watches and they're like, hey, Siri, where's the promised land? Obviously, that didn't take place. Uh, but that's kind of what we do a little bit in, in where we want to find a direction to go to, right? I, just the other day, yesterday, in fact, we had our... Uh, men's golf event, and after the golf event, we're going to go to Paul's house and have a cookout, and, and this is like, it was scary to me how dependent now I've gotten on uh, Siri and Apple Maps or Google Maps for directions, because we get done with the golf, and I'm talking with the guys, and they're like, oh yeah, so you just take Highway 14 out to Highway 51, and you take a ride on 51, and you go about 2.3 miles, and there's this little clearing, and, and then the driveway is right there. And, and I used to be able to follow those directions, like, with no problem. And I'm just like, can you just give me the address? So I, like, I can plug it in, and that way I get this turn by turn, and like, here's the house right here. Anyways, like, that's how we look at directions and often rely on for directions in our life uh, as far as going to physical places. The miracle that takes place, and that's just a little segue, the miracle that takes place as the Israelites leave Egypt uh, is there's a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. There's not some little blue line on a phone screen that's like, in 500 meters, turn right. There's a giant pillar of fire that's literally saying, follow me. And they would follow. At some point, as the, as the Pharaoh and the army of Egypt is coming up behind him, this pillar of fire moves behind them and blocks the way. Like Just this absolute miracle and the power and presence of God in their life as they're leaving Egypt. The Red Sea, they're, they're trapped between a sea and a pillar of fire with soldiers with pointy things behind the pillar of fire. I'm like, what are we going to do? And, and Moses stretches out his rod and the, the sea parts. And, you know, they cross across the sea on dry land. And, you know, in the animated movie, there's this cool picture of, like, whales. Like, I don't know if they got to see that or not, but that would have been really cool. But anyways, they, they cross across the sea on dry land. Miracle after miracle taking place as they're leaving. The destruction of Egypt's army. They, they come to Mount Sinai and it's covered in smoke and thundering with the voice of God. It's so clear that God is leading them. And despite all of this, they're full of grumbling and complaining and whining. They get tired of manna every day for breakfast. They get tired of it. And so they, they sit there and they say, oh, if we could just have the meat, the onions, the garlic, the leeks from Egypt. Like, let's go back there. I, I want a better brunch than, than this manna thing. So let's, let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to having to gather straws in order to make bricks, to, to having our backs whipped in order to, to build for the Egyptians, for them to, to rule over us the way they did for 400 years. Let's go back to that for leeks. Now, I like a really good like cheese and leek pie. It's a really, I, you sit there and you saute the leeks and the cheese and 
It's really good. I don't know if I'd want to go to slavery for that. But that's what they were doing. And, and then finally, they get past that whole point. They get to the land of Canaan, the promised land, and spies are sent out to go into this. And they, they come back with produce of the land, and they, they affirm this truly is a land that is flowing with milk and honey, that it is everything that God has promised to them. Uh, and two guys came back, Joshua and Caleb, and they're like, let's do this. God's been with us the whole time. Remember the pillar of fire, pillar of smoke, walking through the sea? Like none of these things have ever happened before. God's telling us to go this way. Let's do this. And every other of the spies that went into the land of Canaan came back and were like, but they're really big and scary. And just kind of like missing what God had done leading them to that very point. All of the miracles, all of the protection, all of the provisions. And, and in this aspect, they rebel against the leadership of God uh, and through Moses. Now, rebel kind of seems like maybe it's a strong word in this moment, right? Because they're sitting there and they just have this little fear. Like, this is what God's calling us to do, but it seems like it's going to be hard. They, there's big people there. It's going to be hard. Are they actually rebelling at this point? But yet that's what, what God calls it. We read it in Hebrews chapter 3 where it says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses, with whom God was angry for 40 years? Wasn't it those who sinned, whose body fell in the wilderness, and to whom he did swear that he would not enter his rest or, or not enter into the promised land, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And so God himself, the Holy Spirit, inspiring the, Hebrew, uh, the writer of Hebrews to put this down, is saying that they rebelled because they hardened their hearts to the leadership of God, his guidance, disobeyed his directions, and because of their unbelief. Again, this word belief within the Greek is pistis, that, that faith, that trust, because they didn't have true trust in God. They wanted to disobey his directions and ultimately wanted to replace Moses, to find another leader, to go back to Egypt. This is too scary. Our, our, our families are going to die by the sword. Isn't it better if we head back to Egypt? In fact, that's what they said in Numbers chapter 14. It says the whole community broke out into loud cries. The people wept that night. They were weeping because they were scared of heading into Canaan. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron, and the whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or only if we had died in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Our wives and children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's point a leader and go back to Egypt. Like, like just looking at this, they're like, it's, it's scary to head into Canaan. We're, we're going to die by the sword. We would rather have died of starvation. We would have rather died by dehydration. We'd, we'd rather die as slaves in Egypt than to go into this unknown aspect. Is really what they were saying. Right? Because they face death in every circumstance. They're saying, we would have rather died in Egypt. We would have rather died in the wilderness. Why are they not okay with maybe dying in the land of Canaan? 
because it was an unknown to them. They were familiar with Egypt. They came to a point of of understanding and learning how to live within that context and that situation. And even though they faced death, there was an aspect of comfort that they had developed because they could control a situation and they could make choices in a framework of things that they knew. They had 40 years to kind of develop that within the wilderness. Or rather, the trip there, the 40 years came after. But they had a sense of the known And it was the unknown that was creating this fear and revealing their ultimate untrust in God. Truly, it was a a twisted sense of comfort. They had fear, and that fear was causing them not to step out into what God was calling them. But it was because of a twisted sense of comfort. Because they didn't want to step out into the unknown. They didn't want to step out in faith. They didn't want to have to take action in something that they did not know how it would become or what the outcome would be. It revealed their lack of trust in the Lord and, and leaded to really desiring things of the world. Like again, it's been this promise of the land full of, of milk and honey, of God's provision and guidance in the place that he has prepared for them. All of these promises that he's been speaking to them through Moses and, and they're on their way there and they're, they're here's the land and the spies have come out and they've brought back the produce and, and the grapes and everything else and they're like, it is good. It is everything that God, God has said. But remember the leeks. Remember the garlic. Remember these other things. That we know what it tastes like. We know what it's like. We know that we can have. And so they wanted to turn back to this twisted sense of comfort and desiring things of the world instead of trusting in and desiring the unknown things that God had been promising to them. This can happen to us within our own lives as well. And the reality is that doing this repeatedly can actually cause a spiritual calluses within our hearts. James chapter 1 puts it this way in verse 14. When each person is tempted and drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire, after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when the sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. And and so there's this aspect in this pathway that happens through temptation and through this drawing away. And if we allow that to happen and we dwell within that, we continue to, to focus upon those things, this hardening within our hearts can happen. And then through this desire continuing into sin, uh, then results in death. We were just talking about this uh, this last week. Um, reading a book with a couple of different guys uh, and one of the things in this is like if you look where you're not supposed to go like that's where you often end up going like I think about it, like especially with like mountain biking like on a, on a road bike you kind of have the same thing but if you're on a mountain bike and you know the pathway for a lot of the trails is just like a little bit wider than the tire and sometimes as you're on this path, um, like if you've ever hiked up onto Devil's Staircase and up and around those little bluffs, like that's kind of the size of, of the trail. And sometimes you're on that trail and there's literally like a tree six inches off the trail. And there's no problem if, if you go through and you stay on that with your bike, you're not going to hit the tree. No problem. I don't know how many times, though, that I've been mountain biking, and as I'm going on this trail, I'm seeing that tree come up, and I'm like, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, don't, and guess what happens? You hit the tree, because you're sitting there like, I don't want to hit that, and you're staring at it, and that's what ends up happening, versus stay on the trail, stay on the trail, 
stay on the trail and you keep your eyes on the trail and your body naturally responds to that and you're able to follow that same thing. That's what the Israelites struggled with in this sense was in, instead of keeping their eyes on what God has done and what he's promised to do and trusting in that, they kept looking off to the side. Leeks, garlic, comfort, Egypt, the known versus the unknown. And out of that, they responded out of their fear and pursued a twisted sense of comfort. I think the question for us today, too, is where do we have fear in our life? Fear in our life of of what God is calling us to do. And and where do we seek comfort? Or perhaps a, a twisted sense of comfort that when God calls us to live supernatural, spiritual lives that are not anchored to this world, do we hesitate to go forward into the unknown? Or are we drawn to the things that are known, what is, what is comfortable, what is controllable? Do we have a, a certain standard of, of living that we've come accustomed to? And when it feels like God might be calling us to, to step out into the unknown, is there this sense of like, well, I don't want to lose this, so therefore God can't be calling me to do something that would cause me to lose comfort? to head into a place of of unknown, to start life over again, to not be at the the stage of life that a 20-year-old should be, a 30-year-old should be, a 40, 50, 60 retiree. God can call us because we're called to be his ambassadors. We're called to be his heirs, his sons and daughters, that our purpose in life is what he died to give us in that heavenly identity, not what we do here and now on earth. Not what clothes we wear, not what car we drive, not what house we live in, not what our occupation is or isn't, whether it's a stay-at-home mom or somebody that has a career or a student. That's not our identity. That may be a a stage or a phase that God is having us go through, but it's not our identity, and we cannot use those uh, as a twisted sense of comfort to say, well, I need to hold on to this. I I need to hold on to my career and let God use me in these other areas. I need to to hold on to this career path, this schooling path that I've chosen. This is what I have my degree in, so God cannot call me into something if my degree isn't on that path. That's not the case. And if we rely on those things, if, if we say in our mind, God cannot call me to do X, Y, Z because of our comfort or what we're known what we're used to operating within. We can be falling into that same temptation uh, that the Israelites were stumbling into themselves through this twisted sense of comfort and in that, not wanting to leave, not wanting to step out in faith, not truly trusting what the Lord is calling us to do. You see, when we base our lives on this sense of comfort rather than identity in Christ, we we find ourselves and we find much of our world living lives in what Henry David Thoreau called lives of quiet desperation. It's a pursuit of trying to find meaning in lives by our own effort. It's a pursuit of trying to find meaning by what we do, what we wear, what we drive, what stuff we have. And using that to build our sense of meaning, our sense of value within community instead of who God says that we are. We try to find purpose and value in our imperfect efforts and then try to create identity and purpose. 
That's what we see our culture doing left and right. Finding every little niche, every little thing. We're actually becoming a society that's much more divided because we're divided over, well, this is my identity. This is my identity. These are my pronouns. This is who I am. All of that stuff is becoming all about me and creating it instead of acknowledging what God has called us to do. It's this attempt to earn or grow or find value in what we decide is valuable. And because of that, it is this futile pursuit into emptiness because it is not fulfilling the desire or the purpose given to us by the creator of the universe. And so it results in lives of quiet desperation, always striving to gain something that's been given to us that we already have in Jesus, but it's denying it. It's the Israelites coming up to the promised land and saying, okay, we see what God has for us. We don't want it. We want this other stuff instead. We want to determine what is right. We want the leeks and the garlic instead. And so falling into that is a sense of rebellion instead of following after God and what he has called us to do. Now again, I want to be cautious and to say that this is not a call to all of us being in full-time ministry. In that sense, pastors, missionaries, worship leaders, campus crusaders, all these different things. Uh, Jobs are part of God's provision. Careers are part of God's provision to us. Staying at home is a high calling in raising children. Being a student is preparation for that calling and purpose. A mission field unto itself. But again, they cannot be our identity. They cannot be our purpose. For our identity and purpose is to be sons and daughters of the Most High God to be ambassadors in the world regardless of the provision or status that we have in this life. And yet too often we continue to hold on to earthly identities, to try and have those, to gain those, to make us feel better or to feel uh, comfortable in this life. And we hold on to those things out of a sense of comfort because we actually have a fear of walking in the fullness of the glory given to us in eternal purpose by Jesus Christ on the cross. To be light and salt in this world. That that's what he's called us to do. And that will go against the grain of this world time and time again. And what we're called to do is trust that God is our provider. Not our skills, not our brains, not the strength of our bodies. But that he is our provider and that he calls us to step out into faith. Fear and a sense of false comfort often lead to a sense of procrastination. All right, I get a sense that maybe God's calling me to do this. But I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I need to get these ducks in a row. I need to get a certain amount of money saved up. I need to be able to to have free time. And what our passage this morning is pointing us to Again, in verse 13, uh, is again, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Hebrews 13, verse 13 says, encourage each other daily while it's still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For if we have become participants in Christ, we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had in the start. Okay. Thought it was a different verse, so I was thrown off there for a little bit. But again, encourage each other daily while it's still today. The whole point of this passage is a call to respond today. 
He's pointing to the, to the um, Israelites. They had a moment, a calling, a, a time of response as they stood on the precipice of heading into the promised land. And they needed to respond in that moment in trust and in faith. God still had things for the nation of Israel. He still worked it out for those who were faithful. Caleb and Joshua still entered into the promised land. The two spies were like, yes, let's do this. But there's a calling to respond, not in procrastination, not in saying, oh, it'll happen eventually, but today. So do not procrastinate. Do not let fear or false comfort cause uh, spiritual procrastination in our lives or even reaction or following after God and what he's calling us to do in our physical lives. Today, choose to walk away from sin. If there's something that has been nagging or holding on to, uh, repent for that and listen to the Lord today. Today, take a step of faith. Today, choose to talk to your neighbor about God's love if God has been prompting you to do that. Today, start reading your Bible. There's no condemnation if it's something that you're like, I need to get to that. I've been meaning to get to that. No condemnation for that. Romans 8.1, no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. But today, follow that prompting. Do what he's calling you to do. Today, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Today, choose to crucify your flesh. Today, love Jesus. Today, work on your marriage. Today, walk away from addiction. Today, choose to resist the enemy. Today, enter into prayer. Today, listen to his voice. Choose today to follow Christ and to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit that's been calling you to take steps that you may have been setting aside or feeling out of a sense of comfort, we'll get to later. The Holy Spirit works. In fact, today is uh, the recognition um, of the day of Pentecost. Or almost 2,000 years ago, as Jesus in Acts chapter 1 uh, is, is meeting with his disciples and his apostles. After spending about 40 days after his resurrection with them, he, he's sitting there and he's saying, okay, wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power on high. And, and then you're going to take this into Judea and Samaria and then into the ends of the world. But, but wait until you're clothed with power on high. And then as they're standing there, he's taken up into heaven. And one of my favorite things in, in all of Scripture, and, and maybe it's an odd one to be a favorite thing, but you know, they watch Jesus go up and they're just kind of standing there like, okay, that just happened. And all of a sudden, there's like an angel next to them. And the angel's like, what are you guys doing? He said he'll come back the same way. Now, now go do what he told you to do. There was no sense of procrastination at that point. Like, like even in that stunned moment, the angel's right there as a reminder from God. Why are you standing here? He's calling you to do things. And so then they go and they wait. And then on Pentecost 33 CE, the Holy Spirit and tongues of fire come down upon the apostles in the upper room and begin speaking in tongues. They're empowered. Peter, Peter who had denied Jesus three times, preaches a sermon and thousands come to the Lord on that day. This is, begins the age of the equipping of the church by the indwelling and anointing and baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to be ambassadors in this world. 
God has not called us to live lives of complacency or lives of comfort or lives of trying to gain goals of, of having certain lifestyles. He's called us to make a difference in the lives of those around us. It may not be thousands the way Peter preached, and it might be. Could be your neighbor. Could be your family member. Could take 17 years for your family member to respond to Christ the way that it did with me and my parents. But he's calling us to step out in faith. He's calling us to share. He's calling us to to get out of a comfort zone, to respond in faith and trust where he's calling us to go. And it may look really different from the way that we've strived to create and structure our life up to that point where we fully say, God, whatever you have for me. But today he's calling us to walk in faith, to listen, to see what he's calling us to, and then to step out with boldness and trust that he will move and he will act as we're faithful to follow what he's calling us to do. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. I thank you for this challenging passage in the book of Hebrews, one that calls us to action instead of complacency, one that calls to trust and boldness. When we may feel fear, or we may not want to let go of the things that we find comfort in. Lord, I pray that uh, as we contemplate this message and we listen to the Holy Spirit work within us, um, that it would not be something that we respond to simply out of emotion, simply out of guilt, and pray that there is no guilt or any condemnation in any way, but rather that there is a relationship with you, a clear healing of the Holy Spirit, and a choice in faith and in trust to walk the path that you've called us to walk and trusting that we may not understand what it may look like in three months or six months or ten years, but that if we follow you, you will be at work and your purposes will be accomplished because your word does not return void. Lord, we thank you for this. We ask for that boldness. and We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.